It's, it takes a special set of people to be partners. Well, you're just a pain in the ass to deal with. That's why, Troy. Welcome to the Troy Kearns Podcast. We talk all things real estate, business, and entrepreneurship. Today, I've got somebody that has a gang of followers who has claimed to fame is no money in their own deals, Sam Prim from St. Louis. Sam, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, you. Uh, when I first got on TikTok, you were one of the people that already had a massive audience. I think I had zero followers and you had like a million at that point in time. Tell me a little bit about your your story and where you're at today and where you started. Yeah, so I, I started uh, investing in real estate in like 2014 timeframe. I had a full-time job and was just uh, started then as a side hustle uh, for four, three, four years and then quit my job and then um, started to see some success, th success there and then got on social media in 2020, kind of when you mentioned, and um, kind of just been growing that as much as I could, saw the value in eyeballs and saw the value in helping people and teaching people and then eventually, you know, having a mentorship and all that. So um, we're sitting kind of right here. We can break that down any way you'd like, but we're sitting here at just crossed 2.6 million followers on social media, which is pretty crazy. Um, own 46 million in real estate that I've been able to buy without using any of my own money. And then a house buying company here in St. Louis, we buy about 250 to 300 houses a year. So um, I'm in growth mode in every single company right now. So, uh, you know, I feel like we're just getting started, honestly. But yeah, everything is uh, all real estate all day, every day. That's awesome. So coming from like the corporate world, you worked at where again? I uh, worked for a Caterpillar dealership, uh, Caterpillar Construction Equipment. So were you making pretty good money there? Yeah, I was. So, I mean, eventually I was. I graduated college. I think that first year in sales, I made like 17 grand. Um, and then that next year, I did a little bit better and a little better. And then by the time I quit, I was a sales manager. So I kind of had worked my way up and was making about 250 grand a year. And it, it wasn't a super challenging job. You know, I put in my hours, put in my time, um, had some freedom as, as a lot of sales jobs do. But yeah, I was making pretty good money when I quit, which I think um, made it a little bit even more risky because there's a lot less $250,000 jobs out there than $70,000, $80,000 jobs. So uh, the fact that I kind of took that leap, it was, I was told that I was being done by a lot of people, including my parents for, for leaving that, you know, pretty safe quote unquote corporate job. So yeah, I was, I was doing pretty well, but uh, I like everything in my life. I want more and I want to be better and do better. So you quit your job. You went you went all in on real estate. How, what, what was the, the straw that broke the camel's back that made you do that? Cause usually just like anybody, I know you buy a lot of off market properties. There had to be some sort of a pain that said enough's enough. I'm going all the way I can do better because it is, it's scary leaving a, a sure thing. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fear, honestly, and, and not what most people would think of fear. So um, my business partner, Lucas, and all of this, we've been friends for 20 years. Um, he had recently just quit his job and he was going to be focusing, you know, we had done pretty well, probably had 25 rentals maybe ish and done maybe 10 flips, you know, on the side, you know, working 10, 15 hours a week on the side of our full-time jobs. And he was going to be, you know, putting all of his time into it. So the fear of like loss opportunity, the fear of being left behind and, and the fear of, you know, having him carry the water in our companies and or just not being there to help him grow and help the company grow. So that was the kind of final straw. I'd been thinking about it for a while. And honestly, I made less money for the first couple of years as we were figuring stuff out. It wasn't like a huge haircut, but, you know, uh, we made a, a good chunk less money. So I, I knew that probably was going to happen going in and did it anyway, because again, I didn't want to miss out on that opportunity. And, and looking back, I mean, 
2018 to 21 was a hell of a ride in the real estate market. So I couldn't have timed it better. There was some, some luck involved with that. Yeah. But hats off to you for actually doing it right. Like it takes a lot of courage. Um, and I think, you know, hats off to your for partner and you guys have been uh, friends for 20 years and you, you currently work together. Yep, we do. Everything uh, Everything that uh, I talk about on social media, it's always I, 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 because that's just simpler, cleaner. I, I looked it up. That's why comedians always tell, you know, jokes in the first person. It's just more easily to listen. But it's always, it's we, 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 you know, the $46 million in real estate, we each own 50-50. The, the flipping company, we each own 50-50. Shoot, the education company, which she's not really involved in, uh, we each own 50-50. So everything is with that partner and that friend. And and not to go down the rabbit hole here, but we have 47 uh, team members now. Like 13 or 14 of them are family or family friends or people we've known for a while. So we kind of pivoted. We had a meeting as we were starting to take off and things were starting to go well. And we're like, should we do what everybody says and not mix family, friends and business? Or should we bring up the people we love most with us? and help make their lives better and help create freedom for them and help, you know, them buy rental properties and help them flip on the side and help create wealth for the people we love. And we went that route and, and it's been a little bit hairy here or there, but in general, it's worked out incredible. That's awesome, man. And you're in St. Louis, Missouri. I, I just moved to Kansas city two years ago. Um, people who don't know St. Louis gets a bad rap. My sister actually went to college over in uh, Principia, which is on the other side on Elsa, Illinois. And I remember, you know, just from going there and visiting her in college, like St. Louis just has a bad rap, but I always tell people it's a great place to invest in real estate. The Midwest as a whole is, and you built your entire business out of St. Louis, correct? Yep. Everything, all of our flips, all of our rentals, everything is in the St. Louis metro area. And to piggyback off what you said a little bit, yeah, I mean, like any city, there, there's rougher areas. North St. Louis is pretty rough, but the rest of it's hit or miss. And there's some really, really nice areas of St. Louis and, and St. Louis County. And and then Illinois, right across the river, there's East St. Louis that, again, kind of gives St. Louis a little bit of a bad name. But outside of that, even Illinois, there's some nice places over there. So, yeah, in general, it's, you know, we're not talking about, you know, uh, like, a, you know, beautiful San Diego or something like that. But it's it is definitely uh, not a bad place to live. And it's an incredible place to invest. Yeah. And one thing I kept hearing about the Midwest is it's great to raise a family there. You've got a family of your own. I, I've noticed it uh, firsthand is that people out in the Midwest are a lot nicer. Yeah. I was I was talking with somebody uh, recently about potentially working with them and they're like, I saw you're from St. Louis and, and I love that. He's like, people in the Midwest are just so much nicer. That person was from New York and they're just like, they're just, you know, a little bit rough, a little bit rude, a little bit aggressive. And they're like in St. Louis and, and the Midwest. And, you know, they're just people just tend to be nicer uh, in general, just part of the regional, how growing up and how the kind of culture is. So I enjoy that as well. That's awesome. So you're mentioning social media and your um, your group. You got 47 employees. That's a lot of mouths to feed. That's a big ass payroll. I mean, it's way bigger than mine. I don't have 47 people. My wife always says I run it way too lean. How do you handle all the pressure and the stress from those mouths to feeds when you have those months that, because for everybody who's listening, it's not all rainbows and sunshine all the time in real estate. You have down months, you have properties that you take hits on, you have rentals that tenants trash, and then you have to go in there and fix it and spend money. How do you guys kind of manage that whole process? Yeah, no, we got, we got kicked. We've been kicked in the nuts, pardon my French, for about half of the last year, you know, the past 12, uh, 15 months, 
I mean, we're up and down. We're profitable pretty good. We're break even. We've lost money several of those months in one of the companies. So the first thing is having those multiple streams of income has been huge for us. We talked a little bit earlier about the education business and, right. and helping people and the beautiful thing about that. But the margins and everything are, are pretty good in that business. So having the education business income, having the rental property income, and then the flipping company has been the more up and down one recently. I, I'm in a few masterminds with uh, people from around the country that are in similar boats. Very few people have been, you know, 8 10% growth or even growth at all over the past year, just with the market shift and interest rates have just made it more difficult. The, the market's contracted a little bit. So um, yeah, it's up and down a lot. So having those multiple streams of income is big. And then just seeing the bigger picture, I think, because we haven't laid anybody off, even though our company's basically, you know, not been break even, but hasn't been very profitable in, in gross over the past 12 months, as far as the flipping company goes specifically. So we've been struggling. We, I think we're on the other side of it. We've strung together a few good months in a row and the pipeline's looking really good. So I think we're on the other side of it. But when we were in the middle of it, I remember thinking, we can just hold this together and we can just keep our culture, keep our team, keep everything together. Then when we get on the other side of this, we should be a lot stronger than these companies that I know personally that laid off half their staff or laid off three quarters of their staff or cut everybody's pay by 25% or whatever they had to do to survive. And that's each person's own prerogative, each each business owner. And that's fine. That's what they maybe had to do or should have done because they didn't have other streams of income. Whatever their situation is, I'm not going to judge them. I just know that we were very intentionable, intentionable, that's not even a word, but very intentional. We just made it a word. Webster put it in the dictionary. We are very intentional about keeping our employees, assuming that you know we were making money within as a gross. You know, Lucas and I, as soon as we were, you know, making money every single month, a good chunk of money between all three companies, uh, we would help the other float the other ones through the hard times, and and that's what happened, and that's what I think. Hopefully, we're on the other side of. Yeah, it, it, people who don't know it, it can. It is really tough to let people go. I mean, people think mm -hmm. that you know bosses are just cold hearted. I. I have kept people on way too long when I should have let them go. The wrong person in the wrong seat doing the wrong job. And I'm like, and I just couldn't bring myself to fire that person because I have, you know, I'm like, ah, well, they did this or they feel bad. It's, oh, yeah. it's you know, you got to be a little bit ruthless. It's, it's tough to grow a company and you almost got to remove yourself. Sometimes you got to have that operator running your business, which I'm still working on trying to find that right person to, to run mine. But you're still, when you're, when you're dealing with that employee and you're the boss at the same point in time, there's a relationship there and you understand that you're feeding them. So hats off to you for doing that. I, uh, I empathize with it a lot. I had, a, you know, several businesses like that where I was like, why am I doing this? You know, I'm just paying everybody to keep everybody happy, but it's, it's definitely a struggle, especially when you're just crushing the profits, but they're all going out the same way they're coming in, right? They're mm -hmm. just feeding somebody else, but you are getting a lot of things going out there. So I want to talk a lot about your tenacity. One thing I don't know you from Adam, like we've, we've talked very um, briefly through text message and, but you are tenacious. Like I recognize that more than anything. It was cool because when you were building your house, I was building my house and yours got done way quicker than mine. I made a lot more mistakes. And I, I, I shared that with my wife. I was like, there's this other guy out in Missouri who's, I, I said, I guarantee he hired a builder. Cause I, I built mine by myself. I didn't hire a builder and I should have, but where do you get your tenacity from Sam? Yeah, I, I don't know for sure. I look at uh, tenacity is a good word. I, I like to use the word like relentless, um, but similar, very uh, okay. syn synonymous words, but 
I don't know. I think it's a few different things. Uh, Troy, I think it's probably growing up playing competitive sports and kind of always wanting to win, being super competitive. I'm not like one of those guys that's going to knock over a chick on the way to the uh, you know fridge to you know get the last drink or something. I'm not that outwardly competitive, but inwardly I'm very very competitive and always always want to to do my best and get better. So I think the the growing up playing competitive sports and being decent at, at sports. I'm um, growing up and and at a decently high level high school and I, I had some offers to college but decided not to go play in college but you know at, at a decently high level not like a lot of people but um i think there's that um i, I think there's just this uh what is the, the best way to put it is you know you, you're satisfied but you're hungry kind of thing i feel like that like really i'm satisfied with how everything is but i i literally feel like i'm just scratching the surface i want to own an nba team i want to have a billion dollar organization i want to own a billion dollars in real estate so i want a lot more than i have and i do struggle with like you know you've done pretty good so far. So pat yourself on the back, but I think there's that. And then I don't know, maybe there's, maybe there's some insecurity there. I don't know. Like always wanting to prove yourself to others. Like, I feel like I, I, you know, I probably care a little bit about too, what other people think too much as far as the nasty comments I get and things like that affect me more than they should. They don't like ruin my day, but they kind of bum me out every once in a while. So I don't know if there's that insecurity of like wanting to always prove to yourself and to other people that you're successful, even though you already are. So I don't know. I think it's a cocktail of all of those and put my finger in there, mix it around and kick it back, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome that, you know, you recognize that the comments can be nasty, man. They are just, you know, it's very, you got to just not read them because you can get caught in this. They can find the one insecurity that you have and they just zero it in. They're just like, pink. And, you know, everybody knows that every human's got insecurities. Every, there's not one person. I always, anytime I think about it, I think about, the Rocky movies. And when he's talking to him, he's like, it's just a man, just a man on the other side of you, you know? And and that's what it boils down to is people are just people and they're going to say whatever they can say. You know, you watch the kids, uh, you've got kids, they're playing and we're groomed a certain way. And then we're worried about what other people say. But um, what sports did you play competitively? Uh, basketball and football. I played every sport under the sun growing up, but when I got to college freshman year, I played basketball, football, and baseball. I was better at football and basketball. So those are the two that I kind of played the rest of the, the rest of the three years of college and, um, got some offers from some small colleges, nothing crazy for basketball and football. And then a few decent sized schools, like small scholarships or walk-on potentials. But I decided just to kind of go to school and have fun and and fun I had, and then get my degree. I knew I wasn't going to go pro. So I don't know why at 18, most people want to go pro or think they can, or want to go to, I, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that, or I didn't think I could maybe, I don't know, maybe I could have, I am six, three tall enough to, to play uh, a quarterback is what I played. Um, So, you know, I, I had the size, but yeah, I just, didn't think I was good enough and didn't want the the pressure of that. I just wanted to go have fun in college and, and, um, you know, try to stay out of trouble as much as I could. Awesome. So you, you mentioned earlier before the call, we talked a little bit about the YouTube thing and I know you're not a quitter and I know you don't like, I know probably more than anything, it pains you to even quit anything probably. Um, but you just announced that you quit YouTube. Well, that was a little bit of clickbaity thumbnail, but yes, I, so I did. So I, I had a YouTube channel that was be- focused on creating videos, going out, recording, scripting, all the things I spent so much time on there. I got up to 92,000 uh, subscribers, which I know is a decent sized number, but I honestly think 75% of them were because of my Instagram, my TikTok. Like they didn't come from YouTube. I just, I just wasn't good at YouTube. And I tried it for about two and a half years and just would put 
an editor, my time, a copywriter's time, like we would spend thousands of dollars in production of a video that would get 600 views. And I could spend five minutes, close my eyes, thinking of a good uh, Instagram post, put it out and get a million views uh, between the platforms. So just wasn't a good use of my time. And I, I'm still on YouTube, so I have the Fast Frame Show podcast. So it's more of like I'm quitting this channel, moving to this channel. So I still do YouTube. Um, we still have it recorded, the podcast. We still put our short videos on YouTube. So um, I definitely did quit that channel as far as creating long-form content, but it was more of a pivot. Um, I don't think it would have gotten very many clicks if I said I'm pivoting YouTube, right? So I, I did quit that channel, so it wasn't a lie, but uh, we still do our short-form stuff on YouTube. And now the podcast has produced a video on YouTube as well as audio. Do you think that's for forever, or do you think you're going back at it? I don't know. Like it hasn't made a dent in followers. It hasn't made a dent in uh, income, in my opinion, as far as the education business and the branding goes. So I don't know. Um, I'm just not super like, so if I talk and you'll probably see this and maybe some of your listeners are like rolling their eyes, but I tend to go down rabbit holes. I tend to mumble and slur a little bit. I don't think I'm made for that long form content. Our, our, our podcast is doing okay, but I can I can take a, a complex topic, think about it for a minute, and I can make it a 25 second video and make it understandable for the mass public. Not to brag, like a lot of people cannot, but yeah. the, part of it being successful is knowing your strengths, right? Um, right? So I think I could probably do YouTube, but I think I'd have to, uh, you know, just swallow my pride or you know swallow the wallet, whatever you want to call it, and just hire somebody that's like an expert in that space. And I probably should. Um, but they just take so much time and I really enjoy my podcast. And I feel like my podcast is more of my long form, draw you out, get to know your content. Uh, Cause I record that with Lucas. That's the only thing Lucas and I do together. Everything he's kind of running the other companies I'm running education. And uh, that's the only thing we do together. So it's 25 years of friendship, you know, shooting the shit, making fun of each other, being goofy, all this stuff, talking about our businesses, being vulnerable for, you know, 45 minutes twice a week. So I enjoy that. So maybe I'll go back to it. I don't know, but I've been able to do some pretty cool things uh, in the past six months with no YouTube as far as, you know, a dedicated channel goes. So we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's it's definitely the hardest one to grow for sure. Um, I, I'm at uh, 122,000 and I can tell you that it's been, you know, we look at the videos like 300 views, 200 views. You're like, okay. It's not very satisfying for uh, for somebody who's trying to create. Obviously, if that was my way of making money, I probably wouldn't do it. We just we just do it such in such a way where I don't really care. Like it's you know we go through. Hey, we're looking at this house. We're going to show you this house. You know this is this and it's just such a process of what we're already doing that I, I don't put a lot of high uh, content and editing into it. We do the best we can, and if it goes great, great. People like us will kind of try to perfect things, but I understand wanting to quit those types of things. It's really tough for people who see how many sub you have 2.2 million. Is that what you said? Um, on social media, uh, 2.6 million actually we just crossed. That is super hard to grow, especially like in TikTok. It, originally it was actually easier, but it yeah. has slowed way the hell down. Like to get a mm -hmm. video to go viral. I've seen, you've had several videos that have just been you like, pointing at something and like, like having an object in your hands and then you hitting 5 million views, 6 million views, 7 million views. I've seen that happen. Where do you, are you the one shooting all these yourself or how does that work? Uh, for a while I was. So, um, so I've been doing social media for a little over three years now. And I would say the first half of it was pretty much me. I mean, we had a outsource editor for our YouTubes that were getting views, but as far as like the TikTok, Instagrams, those were all me. The, so the short form, I guess I'll say the short form was all me 
for about a year and a half, creating a style, creating editing, doing it myself, and a lot of, um, you know, not much profit in that company for a couple of years, the, the education company that's not very profitable, but for a couple of years, it wasn't. And it was me just kind of just putting out content, trying to grow a following. And um, that was really good because I learned so much about the algorithms. As you said, I can um, create something and and I can pretty much tell how it's going to do it, you know, and I've had a lot of viral videos. I probably have over 50 videos that have over a million views on, on TikTok and Instagram. So I, I'm able to do pretty well there and get a lot of eyeballs. I think last month we got about 14 million views on social media on our platforms and that's free eyeballs. So obviously it took a few years to get there, but that's really powerful stuff. Not to brag too much. I don't do that a ton, but 14 million views is a lot of damn views in a month. So, um, I'm able to do that. So I learned a lot. And now I have, you know, a couple of different editors and a little bit of a team to help me, a content team that helps me do the editing. The editing has gone up in quality quite a bit. Now I'm kind of hitting against some of the big hitters that y'all probably hear if think of a big name. So you kind of have to up your game a little bit even more. So I do have people help me now. I still think of most of the videos and I joke with them. Most of uh, most of our videos videos are still the ones that I do, but my, my editors are get, getting better at keeping things simple. They try to overcomplicate short form content. The simpler the you can do. Um, just a quick tip you mentioned earlier, just something simple, a powerful statements going above your head or, you know, saying them or pointing to them and just a simple movement, walking down the stairs, sitting on stairs, having an object, having your daughter in your arm, just something that is not normal that they see. That's not too distracting because I've done it before. You do too much stuff on the side. They don't read it. You're moving around. It's just too much for them and they're gone. So keeping their attention, slight movements, slight something going on that they can glance that read, glance that read that keeps them there as opposed to just reading. So things like that, I discovered and figured out a lot of when I was uh, when I was doing it all myself. So. Yeah, it's 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 impressive how far you've grown. So you you launched an education program. What is the education program focused on? Um, helping people buy uh, single family rental properties without using any of their own money. Just what I do. We have apartments. We have self storage. We flip. We wholesale. We do everything. Novations. All all the things. But it's focused mainly on single family rentals and buying them the way I have because. I tried everything at first. Like I said, the first two years in education, we didn't make really any money, literally like 40 grand the first year and like a hundred grand the second year in a company that I was spending all my time in. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a little bit hard at first. Cause I was trying to do like a boot camp here or like, should we do a wholesale one-on-one course? And this was the minute I focused just on a college rental portfolio mentorship to buy rentals the way I did. Uh, the things really started, the, the audience got there, the product uh, arrived all kind of at the same time with how we do things now. It's been been about 18 months, 17 months, and we got 1,400 students, the normal over 200 million in real oh, estate. So it's it's awesome. a really, yeah, it's a really uh, profitable as well as life-changing thing for the students. So um, it just kind of all happened at the same time, the following, the product, the confidence and the focus, and it, it skyrocketed from there. So I'm going to go a little bit wider here soon got a few new products coming out but in general the past year and a half has been all just one product yeah no i'm with you on that i made a mistake you know my my i'm june of last year so call it uh 15 months in and very similar profits to yours uh actually i think i did better on my myself than in terms of when i hired my salesperson i, I got good brought all my own people on had like 23 students I vetted, sold, everything went great. Charged super low price point, 34.97. You know, hired a coach on the education thing. All of a sudden, I hire a salesperson, the thing just tanks. I'm paying this guy 100 grand, he doesn't get anybody in. 
We go, we I go to a freaking mastermind event on funnels and digital marketing in Washington, DC. I find a guy, I'm like, you're the guy, come in here, build out my funnels, do my advertising. He's handling everything now. And, and it's just like, now it's just waves of people. And I had to, you know, when you're in there talking to a few people, you lose a little bit of the mojo, you know, <laughs> you lose a little bit. You're, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, okay. Oh, yeah. The, all right. It's me and the three amigos, the, the group coaching, um, you know, you got to just stick it out. So I have a bunch of junior coaches in there and it's cool to see that you're growing the same thing. And there's so much room for people out there. Like oh, yeah. there's people like, because what you're talking about is completely different than what I'm talking about and how you do it is completely different. And that's the thing is people are attracted. Like I knew that the guys who were going to be attracted to me were going to be blue collar. I knew that's I knew that at the beginning and I knew that my optics were such that I wouldn't attract, you know, the <laughs> the the white, you know, even though I used to wear suits for a living, I wouldn't attract that white glove person. So that's awesome that you're you're finally uh, starting to break that curve for those of you who are listening. Business is not always profitable and it takes people like Sam who are willing to put and bet on themselves and bet on their ability to realize, oh, okay, now it's gotten easier, but it's all the time and effort that you put in building the following and building all that stuff that really has made it big. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you give us a five-star review and we've got content all over the place, TikTok, Instagram, you name it, but we also have a coaching program. If you are looking for a coach we have the Millionaire Mentorship, and this is a coaching program where I actually help you get your first investment property within the first 90 days, or I'll pay you $1,000 cash. That's how confident I am to get you that type of result. And I know you might be here and you might be listening. You might be scared. You might not want to take action, but that is not going to get you where you want to be. And obviously, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you want to take action and you're trying to gather the information, but maybe you're confused. Maybe you're just like a lot of people that I've talked to. You're scared of losing money. You want to become financially free, but you don't know where to start. And that's exactly what I help you to do in this program. So do yourself a favor, book a call with me and my team, and let's get the ball rolling. The link is in the description and we'll put it in the video right here, right now. Thanks. Hope you enjoy the show. So how is the partnership with you and Lucas? Has that been like rainbows and sunshine? How do you guys deal with like, because I have found myself with partners, it's, it takes a special set of people to be partners. Well, you're just a pain you has to deal with. That's why, Troy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's very true. <laughs> um, it's been it's been pretty good. There's been a few rocky moments. We've kind of uh, butted head a few times, but we've uh, we have a unique friendship. Um, I, I always like to say, and we went to college together, middle school, high school, college together. Um, he, uh, I, I've been in five uh, fist fights in my life. Four of them was like defending Lucas at a bar. One of them was against Lucas. So we've been through a lot, kind of ups and downs together. Uh, you know, and in general, it's worked out really well. At first, when we became business partners, we were like doing everything together. That was fun, but not efficient. Let's look at this property together. Let's analyze this property together. But I um, mean, we butted heads a little bit. But the minute we kind of divided and conquered, like. Our rental business, you know, our rental property management business that manages our 46 million in rentals, I haven't been to a weekly meeting in that in 18 months. 
So Lucas is kind of the visionary CEO of that company. He's kind of the visionary CEO of our flipping company. And I focus just on education. I attend a weekly meeting for flipping. He attends a weekly meeting for education. But other than that, we don't cross hairs a ton. We don't, you know, have a ton, you know, some days I don't even see him. So maybe that's why it works out really well. We're not like sitting there making decisions together. There's meetings that I, that he has with our CPA or our, you know, CFO. I'm like, you got that. I trust you. And if I'll be doing something, he's like, you know, I don't have to go to him to make decisions. He doesn't have to come to me to make decisions. So I look at it as like a kind of divide and conquer thing. And with the right partner, with the right core values and the right drive and the same goals, like one plus one can equal a hundred doesn't have to equal two if you do it the right way. And we're both very motivated people. Um, there's lim- there's very few times where one of us is down, but if I'm down, he's not, he'll pick me up and the company up. If, if he's down, I'll pick him up and the company up. But what's really cool is when we're both up, watch the hell out because we're going to do some really cool shit. That's awesome. You mentioned uh, before that you want to have a basketball team. That's actually a goal of mine as well. Um, let's bring them to Kansas City. Um, Kansas or, or, City is probably a little more desirable. I know Kansas City, I feel like it's just like St. Louis, but less stubborn and a little bit newer. Like Kansas City, they're both pretty similar markets. St. Louis has been on a slow, steady, you know, kind of even keel for a while. I feel like Kansas City has been a little more booming recently, but um, I'm open to Kansas City, okay? Maybe we can make it happen there. I think the Jazz originally were from there. The Utah Jazz originally were the Kansas City Jazz. I think they actually had a basketball team. If you trace back the Utah Jazz, I actually – I think it's a really cool dream. I I think you got to dream big to to think big and you got to start like for people who are thinking, oh, that's a crazy idea. It's like, it's not that crazy. You got $46 million of real estate. It's not that crazy to say I could make a billion. It's like making your first million is tough. Then making the second 10 is tough. Then once you get it, you've perfected a skill set. Now you're all over on social media. You put it out there enough times. You don't know who you're going to attract. Who's going to say, you know what? This guy's the guy I want to partner with. He's got... 15 million eyeballs this week alone. I want to partner with him. I want to have this small percentage and you could buy in. Like, I mean, we got all these players, Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, all these guys buying pieces of teams now that never happened before. And it's because of their influence, right? That's what, what the teams are buying. They're like, Oh, we want this guy in. So I think that's an awesome goal. I wanted to get to um, some tidbits that you can offer people who are listening, some motivation, like, like if you're looking at your job right now and you're happy, you're making great money, but maybe you're just not where you want to be. What would you tell them to do? Yeah, I would. I mean, I think that's a great place to be. So the best time to look for another job or look for a side hustle is when you have a job. It's pretty tough when you're desperate, when you don't have a job or you're miserable, that's when you're kind of desperate. And usually um, people that are desperate, you know, you can say they're dangerous. That's not usually um, not, not a lot of good things come out of desperation. So I would say you're in a good spot. So know that if you have a job making decent money and you enjoy what you're doing, but now is the perfect time to uh, try to learn about real estate, get into real estate. That's 90% of millionaires are created through real estate. I don't, I'm not even going to explain why they need to get in real estate. I think people hopefully know that, but start to learn real estate and follow people like you, follow people like me, learn, don't be hardheaded and stubborn and vain thinking that you don't need help or, you know, you don't need to pay for this or you don't need to pay for that. Like the most successful people in the world pay a lot of money to receive help and support from other people. You cannot do this alone. So you can get over that vanity a little bit and that ego and understand that you do need help, but then lean on technology. Like when I got started, there weren't all these podcasts. Social media wasn't like what it is now. You can learn so much for free. 
And I always say, if you're following the right person, everybody has limited spare time. So use that limited spare time wisely and efficiently by following somebody that's going to tell you how to do it and what to do. And then if you do that, man, you get the right mentor and you learn efficiently, you can quit that job in five years or less if you want. You can do it sooner, but I don't know if that's super realistic to tell somebody they're going to be able to replace their job in, in a year or two, but you could. So I think the, to boil it down, it's more get over your ego and vanity, hire somebody, hire a coach. Doesn't have to be me. Doesn't have to be Troy. Hire somebody that's going to help show you the grooved and efficient path. And then if you do that, you will be more likely to succeed. You'll succeed faster. You'll have less headaches. You won't give up. You'll have a motivation and hand to hold and you'll be successful eventually if you do that. So just get over your ego and, and hire somebody and then use that limited spare time wisely. Yeah. And I would just add to that is, and that's, that's an excellent point. I would just say hire someone like Sam and Troy, because we've actually done it. And yeah, that's we true. Talked, we talked about that be, be, before. There's our, you know, you hear like, oh, are there, what, there's fake gurus. I didn't even realize there was people that actually faked it. And there is on social media, a lot of them. I mean, how many people have heard it? Oh, I mean, go to, go to, just go to TikTok and type in Sam Prim or type in Sam Fast Freedom. I'm not kidding. There's over a thousand um, that, that like changed my name. And then Instagram had was really bad until uh got the check mark and then um facebook's pretty bad now right now because there's no there's no check mark for uh, business pages but anyways yes i mean i would honestly say there's thousands of accounts out there that pretend to be um saying faster freedom yeah that's crazy i just i didn't ever realize that that was the case so what uh, what is your biggest aha moment your biggest like thing that you've learned in the last couple of years that like if you were to go backwards, you would make a change on something, you know, like I know for me, it was like, oh my God, funnels. Why the hell didn't I start with funnels? You know, that was a big thing for me. I always have a big aha like this year. What is one thing in the last, you know, or since you started that you really were unmasked or figured out that you, you wish you would have known from the beginning? Yeah, I'll, I'll give, I'll do a little bit of a shallow dive into two of them. One of them is mindset. Like I used to be one of those people that was like, mindset doesn't matter, right? Like I'll just outwork you. I'll roll up my sleeves. I'll work harder. I'll work 15 hour days. Like I, it doesn't matter how I view the world and how I view mindset of abundance and how I view helping people. Like I'm not trying to screw somebody over, but I does that doesn't matter. And the, uh, the minute I started making, we made it a core value mindset of abundance. And the minute um, we started talking about it, things really started to pick up where you don't have to screw somebody over to make a buck, like make less money on this deal. So you do more deals in the future. Don't, um, you know, shop 25 different small local banks competing, just shop a few and then build relationships. So the minute I started like thinking mindset was important, things started to really do do really well. And then about a year after that, when I actually truly embraced mindset of abundance, like probably a year ago, that was when like the floodgates completely opened. I had a couple conversations with billionaires and their view on mindset and their view on money and their view on society and their view on providing value completely blew my mind. And I thought I was, you know, big king shit with 30 million in real estate at the time, or whatever it was. But hearing that mindset and the the what that plays in success and how that plays in your growth completely changed my mind and my life. And the other thing was the minute I truly understood. Um, and the number one thing I tell people is understand what the word leverage means. Go look it up. Understand what leverage means. You can leverage other people's skills. I did a, a video the other day. I get 400 hours of work done every single day. 
because my employees are working, they get paid, but they're working for me and my company, right? So that's leverage. I'm leveraging their skills. I leverage other people's knowledge, hundred grand a year in masterminds and, and, and that I'm in in coaching programs. I'm leveraging their knowledge. I'm learning stuff that I would never learn. And I'm learning how to do it efficiently because I'm paying for it. And then lastly, leveraging other people's money. Bro, I own $46 million worth of real estate and I'm kind of an idiot, but I haven't used any of my own money to do it because I learned how to leverage other people's money. So if you can learn that skill of leverage, learn how to properly and responsibly leverage other people's money, skills, and knowledge, like the sky's the limit. An MBA team is not out of out of the line if you can leverage properly. That's That's amazing advice. Thank you for sharing that. Kind of last but not least, with the leverage, you know, I happen to be a little bit of the scarcity mindset. A lot of my properties I have debt-free just because when I started, I made the wrong types of leverage. I bet on appreciation in 2005. And as you probably can follow the playbook, you know what happened there. I didn't lose anything, but I came damn close, you know? And um, that really tooled me to buying, you know, not over leveraging. With interest rates rising and mortgage rates resetting, how do you deal with that? It makes it a, it makes it a lot harder to cash flow, and I have this conversation with my students quite often, and I am trying to tackle it as we go through this because I, I I do think they're near the top, uh, but I don't think they're going to come sky falling down anytime soon. I do think they're going to start to trickle down, but it's going to be a little bit. So this isn't something that's going to be solved by the end of the year. So a couple of different things. Number one is I tell people stick to the fundamentals. This is huge. So. Over the past couple of years, so you've been in longer than I have. So you saw the uprise, the down a lot, a little bit more than I did. I got involved in 2014. That was pretty good time. From it's been up since then, right? Uh, up until here recently. But before you could overbuy, over rehab, and still make money on a flip. You could overbuy, and rental rates were going up so much you could still cash flow 350 bucks by screwing up. Now that's not the case. You just have to stick to the fundamentals. You have to get market rate. You might think that it's 1400 Look, it might be 1500 That extra $100 is huge. So get market rate, shop a few different local banks. Local banks can charge whatever interest rate they want. They borrow it from the Fed, and then they upcharge it, and they hold it in-house. In, in so they're not packaging it for Fannie or Freddie. So they can, they can manipulate it if you have a relationship built. Mark. So market rate. Small local bank relationships, um, get 25 to 30 years if they'll let you longer AMs right now. You can always pay more later. Um, things like that, right? Like some of the fundamentals, you do that and you might go from with higher interest rate, negative cash flow 50 to positive cash flow 150. Not not a home run, right? But at least you're buying a property that's going to create wealth for you in the long term if you manage it well. So sticking to the fundamentals and just doing things you didn't have to do, I think is huge. And then another thing we've been doing recently is Get creative with your tenant base. Like uh, we got some midterm rentals now. Uh, we got a few short-term rentals. I feel like those are like more like, um, you know, you have to do custom for that. But we have some apartment complexes that we have some units running out as midterm rentals and we get a thousand bucks a month for the long-term rental and we're able to get 2,500 a month for the, sh the midterm rentals. So that's huge, especially when it comes to apartment complexes because the value is based on the income, not on the market. So um, so just things like that, getting creative, digging in, um, being disciplined and passed on a few deals that you, that you couldn't, that you normally would buy uh, because interest rates are a little bit higher. And then um, I guess the last, last thing is fortunately we refinanced our entire portfolio in 21 and got locked in rates for 10 years so we're, we're locked in at 99 percent or 98 percent what i own 
395 uh, over 30 years at, at 10 years fixed. So we're, we don't have, I don't have a renewal coming up this year or next year. So uh, we got lucky or skill, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so that really makes me feel a little bit safer about buying a property to cash those 25 bucks that I'm confident that we're going to get, you know, the appreciation and debt pay down and all the, then the tax benefits have been huge for us. And for me, as I start to make a little bit more money, um, buying that rental property, 50 bucks a month, I'm still able to, you know, depreciate eight, 10 grand from it. So it, it makes sense to do it that way. Last question, just to jump on that thing. You mentioned that you refinanced in the right amount of time, and that is huge. That is a huge thing. I'm sure you are very thankful that you did that. Now, there are a lot of people that aren't so lucky right now. Um, myself included, I'm going to be able to weather the storm, but on some of my commercial properties, I'm hitting that time frame where I'm going to have to come in and, and pay, you know, three points more than what I was paying before. And it is going to be what it is. I'll be okay. Cause I've owned those properties for a long period of time and there's a little bit of debt on them, but there are going to be a lot of people who are not going to be able to make that move. People who are over leveraged. Where do you see that being an opportunity for new people getting into the market, Sam? Yeah, I think you nailed on the head though, a little bit when you said commercial, I think commercial and retail are definitely, I mean, I've seen the stats, you probably have too. I think a couple months ago, I remember the stat that in California, or maybe it was just LA, but I know they're the extreme, but I think the debt per square foot was like 280 and the the price or the value per square foot was like a buck 50 or something insane and there was like a billion dollars in in um and uh you know people letting stuff go to the back to the bank so i they're the extreme out there but in general i think commercial is going to be a big opportunity um residential not quite as much because um you know there's still a lot of equity for people and in a house that they've owned for five years or for 10 years and they got an, a note renewing there hopefully is if you didn't already refinance there's hopefully you know several tens of thousands if not more of equity that you can dip into if you have to to weather this storm or sell um you know a couple and keep the rest and and you know be able to just use that money to, to help make ends meet but i think commercial there's going to be a lot of opportunity to, to snipe up commercial stuff that goes back to the bank with um you know people not work work from home for a while and and now honestly people are going back to work so it's a pretty good time to to get into the commercial building in the right spot of town um with the right tenant base awesome man i appreciate that answer i totally agree with you sam for those people who are trying to follow your story how do they follow you uh just at sam faster freedom on pretty much every platform that's out there except youtube as we mentioned that's the faster freedom show podcast but if you look up sam prim or uh sam faster freedom or faster freedom on on pretty much all the social medias uh you will probably find my name and as we mentioned earlier there are a ton of scam accounts so just go to the one with the blue check mark uh or the most followers count well i appreciate you coming on i appreciate you sharing your wisdom i hope that we are able to meet in person sometime maybe at a mastermind uh, come out here and speak. We're doing our one in November. I know that you weren't able to make that one, but I would love, I think you have a ton of value. I think anybody who's listening to this show right now, definitely give us a five-star review. Definitely follow Sam. He's he's doing amazing things out there. Whether you're looking to grow your social media influence or whether you're looking to grow your real estate portfolio or whether you're looking to learn from somebody, he is somebody that I have learned from. You don't know who you're influencing from the outside. And I can tell you that you influenced me. So it's very nice to chat with you. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate having me on. This was a fun conversation and we will definitely meet in person soon. All right, guys. Peace. Are you interested in investing in real estate, but you don't feel like you got the time 
to take a coaching program. I get it, right? You're busy, you're making money, and that's okay, but you wanna invest with me because you're like, Troy, I like what you do. I see what you're doing. You're a real deal. Yes, I am. I'm an average Joe. I worked at Burger King. I worked at Red Robin. I started investing in real estate, and I started from absolutely nothing, and I will take you along with my journey, and you can get all the benefits, but you gotta be an accredited investor. If you wanna invest with me, and you wanna be a part of something great, and you don't have the time, Guess what? We're launching a fund that you can be a part of, but you got to be an accredited investor. And if you want to find out more about what that looks like, all you got to do is click the link and we'll show you exactly what that looks like. And guess what? If you're not an accredited investor, then you may down the road be a accredited investor. So definitely learn what that's all about and enjoy the podcast and we'll see you on the next one.